Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So I'm sure everybody here is somewhat familiar with the story of Jonah. I mean, even if you didn't get much Bible training or have no Bible background, you've probably heard the story of Jonah and the whale. You know, remember that? That was the guy that got swallowed by the whale. Um, he wanted to be a real boy, but he had this problem with lying and his nose used to grow. No, that's, that's the wrong guy, all right? And I, and I bring that up because I think sometimes people think about the story of Jonah and they kind of put it in that same category. It's a fairy tale. You know, I just have a, come on, I have a hard time believing somebody got swallowed by a fish and lived inside a fish for three days, you know? So, um, and I understand that. I understand it because it's a pretty fantastic story. Um, and for those of you who have a hard time swallowing that whole fish thing, pardon the pun, um, let me kind of help you with that a little bit, because I really do believe this is a true story, that it really did happen. It's not just allegorical. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, Jesus, throughout his ministry, often referred back to Jonah as a historical figure. And, and historically, it's actually very accurate. There was a city called Nineveh. Um, it was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Uh, the Assyrians were enemies of, of Israel. And so historically, if, if you can't swallow the fish part, and I promise that's the last time I'm going to say that, um, if you can't do that, it is still, in every other way, very historical. And, and if that is still makes it hard for you, um, think of it this way. If you have any belief at all in a creator God who had anything to do at all with creating humanity, okay? And then like thousands and thousands and thousands of years later, these little creatures called humans created a submarine for people to be able to live on underwater, okay? Maybe God who could figure, you know, he could figure something else out. So maybe that'll help you, you know, with this story. If that isn't even easy for you, then just kind of put that aside for a moment because I don't want you to miss the point of the story. I think sometimes we get hung up on something like a fish swallowing a man and keeping him alive for three days. That, 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 that's just so fantastic that we miss the point of the story. And the point of the story is very, very important because Jonah's story is really my story and it's your story because it's the story of a man running from God. And every one of us in, every one of us in this room have run from God. At one time or another, in one way or another, we have all run from God. Maybe your running story is this. Maybe you were raised in church and your parents brought you to Sunday school and you had to be a part of that all the way growing up and you got to college and you said, I'm done with that and you walked away from church and at the same time you walked away from God and you said, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing and I don't want to be bothered by God anymore. Um, or maybe, maybe you grew up in a church and you were burned by a church and you turned your back on church and turning your back on church, you turned your back on God and the whole thing. Maybe, maybe... Maybe you consider yourself a a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you feel you're a pretty godly person, but there's still an area of your life that's kind of like hands off God, okay? That's just another form of running. And Jonah's story is our story because we're all runners. And we're going to read through it this morning. We're just going to go through chapter one. So if you want to take your Bibles, and if you don't have one, there's one on a seat next to you, a hardcover one that we provide here. Um, Feel free to do that. It's towards the end of the Old Testament. If you get to the New Testament, you've gone too far. Um, so back up a few pages. It's a very short book. It's only three chapters long. Um, so if you want to find that, and uh, we'll pick it up in Jonah chapter 1. It begins with this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship born for, bound for that port, and pay, after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to free from the Lord. 
Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. They threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will notice us and and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land, which is where I should have stayed. No, that's not in there, but that's what he's thinking. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so. Now, the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault, that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing this innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At that, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish, to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. See, we are all, by nature, runners. Every one of us in this room have in one way, shape, or form run from God. And it might have been unintentional or it might have been just flat-out rebellion, shaking our puny little fists and saying, God, I don't care what you say. It's my life and I'm going to live it my way. And I got nothing to do with you. But every one of us in this room, have run. some of us this morning are running right now. And Jonah's story is so important because what happens in Jonah's story is what happens in every situation of people who run from God. 99.999% of the time. In all of my years as a pastor, I have seen this story replayed over and over again in countless ways and countless lives. That when you run from God, there are certain things that always happen. Always happen. And I've watched it over and over again. So this morning we're going to talk a little bit about what happens when you run from God. Because my goal for this is that if you're running this morning, that you would have one of those aha moments and realize, you know, that's, I hadn't even thought about it, but that's what I've been doing. And maybe, maybe turn around. Because Jonah's story is your story. And it's my story. People running from God. And when people running from God, there's a couple of things that happen. When we run from God, one of the things that happens is we put ourselves in very precarious situations. I've seen it so often. People running from God make some of the dumbest choices in their life. They make some of the most stupid decisions. Because what we're doing when we're running from God, we're running from the source of wisdom and truth. And we think we know better but we're really making some of the dumbest decisions we could ever make. Jonah's whole story comes with an assignment. 
It begins when the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, understand something about Jonah. Jonah is a prophet. He's not a priest. He's a prophet. And there's a difference between the two. A priest in in Israel's um, history, the priest spoke on behalf of the people to God. And there were many priests. There was a whole priesthood um, in Israel. But the prophets were just the opposite. The prophets spoke on behalf of God to the people. And typically, there was only one or maybe two or three. There were very few prophets in Israel at any one time. Jonah is one of those prophets, and he's been given an assignment, and his assignment is to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, and there's some, some things you've got to know historically that kind of give a perspective on why, why Jonah's a little bit hesitant, because this is, this is a tough assignment. See, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, the Assyrian Empire, and the Assyrians were a world power at this time. In fact, they were, they were ruthless people. They, were, they, they, they conquered kingdoms. They overran countries. And they, they carried out a scorched earth policy. They just destroyed everything in its path. When they came and, and they overtook, they just leveled the land. They did death marches. They marched the captives back. And if they died along the way, oh well. In fact, the great claim to fame of the, of the Assyrians were that they had mastered the art of skinning people alive. They had figured out a way to skin people and keep them alive through the process. These were horrible people. I mean, just brutal, vicious people. If you want to kind of get an idea of what what it would be for Jonah to think of going to Nineveh, going to the Assyrians, it would be like sending them to Nazi Germany to go speak to Hitler about the way he's treating the Jews. That's that's kind of the picture. Think Nazi Germany. Think, Think... Think the Soviet Union under Stalin's regime. Okay? Think of the worst dictator that you can think of and, and the havoc and, and destruction that it brought upon people, whole people groups. That's the Assyrians. That's Nineveh. And God says to Jonah, go speak against them. Now, if you want to know how bad these guys were, there's actually another prophet in the Bible, Nahum. He prophesied against Nineveh. Let me read to you a little bit from his prophecy. It's in the book of Nahum, chapter 3. He wrote these words. It's just part of it. Woe to Nineveh, woe to the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. Many casualties, piles of dead bodies without number, people stumbling over the corpses. Nothing can heal your wound. Your injury is fatal. Everyone who hears the news about you claps his hands at your fall. For who has not felt your endless cruelty? He says, when you fall, Nineveh, when you fall, Assyria, the rest of the world is going to stand up and give it a standing ovation. That's what everybody thinks about Nineveh. Now, Nahum, Nahum wrote that prophecy around the same time as Jonah, except Nahum got to do it from the comfort of Israel. <laughs> Jonah's being asked to actually go to Nineveh and make that proclamation to the people right then and there. And I'm sure Jonah's thinking, you know, couldn't I have Nahum's job? <laughs> I mean, could we just like send an email or something? You know, could we just, you know, isn't there another alternative? These are, these are ruthless people. There's a lot of reasons. These are the enemies of Israel. And, and as far as Jonah's concerned, they, they deserve what's coming to them. Why would I go and preach to them? And I, I just, Lord, just bring on the destruction. You know, let it happen. It's a difficult assignment. 
And, and Jonah doesn't care much for these people anyway. And after all, we're Israel. We're God's chosen people. You know, if you want to prophesy to Israel, I'm happy to do that on your behalf, God. But, you know, why would you send me to these pagans? I think a lot of times when we're faced with, with difficult assignments, we'd rather run from God. And maybe your assignment isn't as difficult as going and preaching to Nineveh. But maybe it's something in your life and God's been talking to you about it and it's a difficult choice. It might, be dealing with, it might be dealing with an addiction or a compulsive behavior that you just keep hanging on to and you won't give up on it. It might be that you know, just you're tired of God and you want to go your own direction. The things that God is asking of you, the changes he's asking to make in your life, that transformation that he wants to bring about, that's just too hard. God, I I don't want anything to do with it. That's the assignment Jonah's been given. I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach against them. And he's got nothing to do with it. He doesn't want anything to do with these people. By the way, just as an aside, because I think sometimes people think that that there's two different gods in the Bible. There's the Old Testament God, and he's he's the wrath and ire and destruction and all of that judgment kind of thing. And then there's the New Testament God, and he's the love and the mercy and the grace God, okay? It's the same God. And, and, And I think you really see that here, although you don't maybe pick it up, but... As bad as Nineveh is, as bad as the Assyrian Empire is, God is still saying to Jonah, I'm going to give him one more chance. I'm not giving up on him. As bad as things are, as horrible as these people are, as much destruction and havoc and, and, and evil that they have brought upon the world, I'm still going to give them a chance. And Jonah, you're going to be the one to do that. That's God's grace. He's still reaching to a people that want nothing to do with him. Like I said, maybe your, maybe your assignment is not as bad as Jonah's, but for you it's just as tough. God is asking of you certain things. And I think sometimes we think, well, if it's God's grace, God's grace is always easy because his grace comes freely and it's not our own efforts and it's not our own doing. It, it's, a God, it's a grace of God and it comes freely to us. So grace must be easy. We think if it's, if it's, if it's grace, it's got to be easy. It's got to be painless. It's got to be comfortable. But very often, God in his grace calls us things outside of our comfort zone. He stretches us beyond our comfort zone because what he's doing is he's transforming us and transforming doesn't come easy. And we think, well, if it's hard, then it can't be God. Or if God's asking me to do something hard, well, what, what happened to grace? God in his grace often asks us to do difficult things. But when he does, when he stretches us outside of our comfort zone, that's when we want to run. God, I love you, but don't ask me to give up this relationship. God, God, I want to be a wholehearted follower of you, but don't talk to me about my sex life. God, yeah, I, I will follow you. I'll give you. I surrender everything, but keep your hands off my wallet. Because this part of my life is mine. This, this one I'm going to handle on my own. Yeah, God, I believe in your grace and I'm glad to be called your child and I know it's nothing I deserve and I'm I'm just so thankful for it, but don't ask me to change this or do that. God in his grace will sometimes ask you to do the hard thing. And when he does, our tendency is to run. And that's what Jonah does. Jonah says, oh yeah, I've heard about those people. In, in modern day, he might do this. He might go online and kind of Google, you know, Google Maps, Nineveh. Find out where this place is that God's calling him to go. And it comes up and it's go, oh, it's about uh, 500 miles northeast of here. 
Okay, well, I don't want to go there. And that's what he does. In fact, it says, but what he did was Jonah ran from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port, paying the fare. He went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. What he did was he expanded his search. (laughs) And he said, okay, well, if that's Nineveh, I don't want to go there. So what's the furthest place I can possibly go in the opposite direction? Oh, Tarshish. That's a nice place. Tarshish is like over 2,000 miles in the exact opposite direction. It is at the end of the known world. He's saying, how far can... He's not just saying, no, God, I'm not going to go. He's saying no with an exclamation point. (laughs) Not only am I not going to go where you want me to go, I'm going 180 degrees in the opposite direction. I want nothing to do. I want to get as far away from that assignment as I can possibly get away from it. That's what he does. But it's not just that. It's not just a geographical... 180 degrees. Tarshish is completely opposite of Nineveh. Nineveh is a fortified city. Nineveh is the headquarters of the army. Nineveh is is about regimen and strictness and, and, and hardness. Tarshish is the exact opposite. Tarshish is known for its trade. Tarshish is a wealthy city. Tarshish is where there's opportunity, where there's where there's excitement where there's hope, where there's a future, where there's security, where there's safety. And that's what he's looking for. It's not just that he's running from God. What he's doing, he's saying, no, I like my plan better, God. I think I will be much safer if I go to Tarshish. I think I will be much safer if, if, and, and more secure and, 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 and certainly live a better life if I can make it to Tarshish. In fact, actually, if you read through the, the Old Testament, ships for Tarshish is often used as a symbol for wealth. Often in the Old Testament, um, that, that phrase, the ship of Tarshish, was, was th- to signify that this was wealth, this was, this was opportunity, this was a future. And, and that's really what he's doing. It's, it's much, much greater than just going the opposite direction. It, it, geographically, he's going 180 degrees in every way, shape, and form. He decided, I don't want any part of God's way. I'm going to do it my way. So he does. And what he does is he puts himself in a very precarious situation, which we always do. Because when we run from God, when we run from that source of wisdom and truth, we start making decisions based on our own wisdom. And they might look real good on the surface. But storms always hit. It says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Believe me, When you run from God, storms hit. Storms happen. And sometimes sometimes the storm is just the natural consequence of my own stupid decisions. Sometimes the storm is something I just bring completely on myself. Sometimes it's God's intervention that he will bring the storm to get our attention. But make no mistake about it. When you choose your own way and you choose to run from God, you will hit a storm. And it might be the inner turmoil that just eats away at you inside, knowing that you're doing the wrong thing, but you're going to do it anyway. And that just that inner turmoil is the storm. Sometimes it's something much, much bigger than that. Maybe you just, you, 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 you just crash and burn. But one way or another, God in his mercy and in his grace will get, to, get you to the storm. Because it's only the storms that wake us up to the fact that we're running the wrong direction. And I've seen it over and over and over again. Something else about when you run from God. Not only do you hit a storm, but when you run from God, you negatively impact and affect 
the people around you too. See, that's the thing. Jonah is running from God. He gets on this ship and the ship hits a storm. But the storm isn't just, it's not a microclimate just where Jonah's sitting. (laughs) There's all these other people now in his life and they're on that same ride with him. And they're being just as impacted by the storm as he is. Because eventually when storms hit and they do hit, they don't just hit you. They impact the people around you too. Your disobedience, your resisting of God, your running from God, it affects the people around you. And I've had over and over and over again, I've seen it happen. And people say things to me like, yeah, I know divorce isn't a good thing. And I know it's going to hurt the kids, but the kids are resilient. They'll get over it. Or, or yeah, yeah, I know, I know I really should, but, but I really don't have a drinking problem. I just, it helps me unwind. And they're totally oblivious to how it's impacting their families or their job. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. But you know what? It's my life. It's my life. And besides, I'm not hurting anybody. And yes, you are. Because here's the thing. People who are running from God and are heading into those storms are totally oblivious to how it's affecting the people around them. Jonah gets on this boat and it's such a violent storm. It says that that arose that the ship threatened to break up and all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. They threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Now these are seasoned sailors, folks. These are guys who have been on the sea in a storm before. But this is a storm like no other storm they've been in. These are guys who are used to storms. They're sailors. They know how to handle storms. But this one is so bad. This is the perfect storm. This is, this is storm times 100. If you ever watch, anybody watch Deadliest Catch? You know, the crab fisherman up in the, yeah, okay. Think of one of those kind of storms. You know, just waves, the boat is falling apart. And where is Jonah? He is down below decks, sleeping in a bunk. Totally oblivious. And that's often what happens. When people are running from God and they're in the middle of a storm, they are totally oblivious to how it's, what it's doing to the people around them. And their wife or husband will beg for them to get help. Who, me? I don't need help. Not my problem. You must have the problem. Totally oblivious. Sound asleep below decks. No idea what's going on up above. No idea that... And these guys, they are throwing their cargo over the side. Now understand, this is a sailboat. This is not an ocean liner. This is not a luxury liner. It is a cargo ship. It is driven by a sail and wind. This is like a couple of months journey to get from Joppa to Tarshish. This is, this is like you only make one of these trips, maybe one or two a year, maybe three at the most. And, and it's all about the cargo. You are there to make a delivery. You're bringing goods from Joppa up to Tarshish to be sold. If you get to Tarshish and you don't have the cargo, you don't get paid. <laughs> but they're at a point where it's like, you know what? I don't care if I get paid. I just want to live. <laughs> I just want to survive. And so all their hopes and all their dreams and all their future, they're throwing it overboard. overboard. Literally, that's what they're doing. They are so afraid of what's going on and what it means about their future. They just want to survive. And again, the same thing happens over and over again. When people are in those storms that they brought upon themselves, they don't understand how it's affecting the future of the people around them. Sound asleep. Sound asleep. So finally... Finally, what, he's, what happens is the captain goes below decks. 
where is everybody? He finds this Jonah guy and he says, hey, Jonah, hey, hey, wake up, man. There's like, there's this prayer, prayer vigil going on up on the deck and we would love for you to come and join us because maybe your God could do something about this because our gods aren't doing a whole heck of a lot for us right now. You know, it'd be really nice if you would join us for this prayer meeting. And he rubs his sleep out of his eyes and he drags himself up on deck finds out the storm is just raging like crazy. And these sailors are scared for their lives. And they've cast lots and they go around and it comes out, it comes to Jonah. Somehow this guy's connected with this storm. And so this is what they do. They say to him, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Who are you? (laughs) Why is this happening to us? Because of you. And this is what he says. I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Now, what is amazing to me about that little thing is he knows all the right answers. He's got, he's got all the good theology in his head. I'm a Hebrew. I serve and worship the Lord, who is the creator God, the creator of the sea and the land. He has all the, he knows all the theology. He's got all the right answers. He's just not living it. He's still running from God. And, 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 he, and the jig is up. He's cornered. He's got a face up to his disobedience. And even though he knows the right answer, he's still not living it out. And so what they say to him, what have you done? For they knew that he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. It just kind of stands out to me, that little parenthetical statement. They knew he was running from the Lord because how did they know that? What did he, how did he do that? Did he go like down and say, yeah, like, uh, you know, ticket to Joppa, please. I'm running away from the Lord. You know, how did they find out? Somehow they knew that what he was doing was contrary to this God that they didn't even know. But they're caught up in the storm because of him. There's one more thing about this that when you run from God, people running from God ultimately are running from God's grace. And that may not make sense to you right now, but but look at this. When you look at this, what's happening is Jonah is busted, okay? He is, he has found out. They, they, they know him and they know what this is all about. And he stayed, but the storm is still raging. It's not over yet. It's still raging. So they say, and, and in fact, it says the sailors, they tried everything that they could. The sails were ripped out. They're, they're rowing now, just trying to get back to land. They're doing everything they can to save this guy, but it's not happening. And now he gets to the point. It says that they were, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? And he knows. I'm done. And his answer is this. Pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And here's his mistake. Because he doesn't understand the grace of God. He didn't understand that God would care about a city called Nineveh or a people groups called the Assyrians. He didn't understand God's grace in that way. And, And even now he doesn't understand that God's grace is still at work in his life. Because the only answer, where did he get that idea? Where in the world did he get the idea that the answer was, throw me overboard? 
Because it doesn't say anywhere that he stopped and he prayed about this. It doesn't say anywhere that he stopped and thought, okay, God, what should I do? How do you want me to repent from all this? His, just, his answer is, you know what? The jig is up. I'm done for. You know, I have, I have screwed up so badly. There's just no hope for me. Why don't you just throw me overboard? This is his decision. It's basically suicide by sailor. Because what he's saying is, I got no future. I got no hope. I, I have messed up so badly that the damaged goods God got, can't possibly ever do anything with me ever again. You might as well just end my life and throw me overboard. But that's not God's plan. The very next sentence is, but the Lord, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Now, I don't know about you. I was raised in Sunday school, and I heard this story over and over again. And I have always thought that the great fish that swallowed Jonah, that was the punishment. I don't know if you ever thought about it that way. That's always been my, kind of my frame of mind. You know, okay, now he's finally getting what's coming to him. Throw him overboard. God's going to have him swallowed up in, by, a, by this great fish. Because, I mean, what could be worse than that? Solitary confinement with fish guts. You know, <laughs> that's got to be. That's got to be it, you know. But it isn't. Because, see, without the great fish, Jonah just dies. That fish for Jonah is a lifeboat. Doesn't look like a lifeboat. Not the lifeboat I would have picked. But God sends a great fish to swallow Jonah, to rescue him, to keep him safe. And it's just another picture of God's grace. And maybe you've been running from God and you've run so far for so long in the wrong direction and you think, you know what, at this point, there's no hope for me. I have messed up so badly. Damaged goods. You know, I might as well just, just let me die. God has sent you a lifeboat. And it may not look like one. But he doesn't bring the storms to destroy you. He brings the storm to rescue you. And what Jonah doesn't understand yet, and as we go on in the story, it takes him a long while to get it, if he ever does. But God, in his grace, is constantly pursuing him. He's not, gonna let him, he's not even going to let him give up on himself. God hasn't given up on Jonah. And wherever you might be running this morning, whatever aspect of your life that you've just said, okay, God, hands off. I'll give you everything else, but this area, I'm running. (laughs) Or maybe you've been running your whole life. I want you to know, those storms that come across your life, God is pursuing you. And he's not pursuing you to destroy you. He's pursuing you to rescue you. And it may not look like a lifeboat, It might look like just a big old fish full of guts right now. But he's here to rescue you. And that's where we're going to end. Now it says, you lived in that fish for three days. We're going to leave him there for a week. We'll come back next week and pick it up from there. But I just want to end with this. Wherever you're at this morning, whatever area of your life you have been running, it is never too late to stop running. It is never too late to hoist the white flag and say, I give up. Surrender, God. In my relationships, in my sex life, in my finances, in my addictions, in my compulsions, 
my relationships, I give up. I give up. Rescue me. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Oh,